Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Dear Gerald. <laughs> do we have any uh, anything to say to people besides fucking let's do this? Um, so I'm very excited to be back. Uh, I took an episode off. Kind of unintentionally. Kind of forgot about that. I missed it. I realized I was like getting ready for this episode and I was like, oh, back in the saddle. So Well, I'm I'm certainly glad to have you back. Yeah, it was it was a very unique experience. Well, not very unique, but like editing last episode, I was suddenly in the place of our listeners because there was a few times where I indeed wanted to uh, yell at (laughs) corrections at you. Oh, Uh, no. What did we get wrong? (laughs) Well, you called my grad school the Cooperstown SUNY. I don't know, whatever, but SUNY Cooperstown. But I went to the graduate program. Um, no, I mean, it was really not that bad. But I was very excited uh, to hear Mike talk about uh, being in Cooperstown and being at the Otisaga. And I wanted, I was like, oh my God, ah, I know that place. I've been in the Otisaga. But uh, I, of course, wasn't there to say anything. So You could be his Facebook friend. He's a pretty cool guy. I'm a fan. He's okay. funny. Yeah. Also, um, I realized I was like, I wouldn't be able to really like talk about the Otisaga because I've only been in the bar there uh, because it's a very fancy hotel. Oh. And uh, we're only, uh, the, the plebs were only recently allowed to like sit on the the deck. It's very, uh, the Grand Hotel of Mackinac. Oh, <laughs> how fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that level of fancy. Gross. So anyway. Really not my style. Um, <laughs> oh, it's totally mine. I'm to- I totally aspire to be able to stay there because <laughs> I want to be fancy. I'm I'm good to be fancy for a single tea, but at the mm. Grand Hotel at Mackinac, you have to be in like like fancy like like you, you can't like just run around in your pajamas. Yeah, you have. There's a dress mm. code for like being outside of your room. Interesting. Like if okay. you're gonna eat dinner there, like everybody at six o'clock has to go put on like wedding level duds. Interesting. See, yeah, I do definitely want to be able to do that. But at the same time, like, I want to be able to fit in, but then, like, choose not to. (laughs) Sure, sure. I (laughs) wouldn't have the option to fit in. Like, I am trash, and they can tell. Come on, you have very nice manners. Do I? Anyway, I've been watching a lot of Downton Abbey, so I'm just still in that... Yes. Whereas I've been watching a lot of Firefly, and I've gotten crustier than normal. Ooh, I swear by my pretty floral bonnet. I'll end you. Yeah. God, I fucking (laughs) love that show. It's so good. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Maybe I'll do a rewatch. And I'll switch and move back to Downton Abbey. There you go. And then probably Mrs. Maisel again, which I've rewatched like four times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, shall we uh, stop reminiscing about old shows and do a new show? Uh, yeah! Uh, do you want to do the new show on old shit? New show on old shit? What? Yeah. So, okay, yes. So, the, the, you know, the stuff that I'm talking about is not exactly recent. Well, is it ever? We do a history, creepy history podcast. I mean, you right. <laughs> I mean, Elvis, mm-hmm. though. Like, like, there are people who have living memory of Elvis. Yes. But it still counts as vintage, at least. That's true. Whereas today yeah. we're talking. I'm talking about Alexander the Great, who is nobody living very, will memory. Very old. 
Did I just say nobody living will memory? I don't. Yes, I think you did. Cool. <laughs> Keep it in. Let it ride. Fuck it. Yep. There's a. Uh, yeah, that's fun. I'm really starting to lose it. I'm going a little quarantine squirrely, I think. Uh, yeah. I've gotten to the point where I don't really know what day it is ever. Mm. So so that's fun. Yeah. Um, you know who else didn't know what day it was? Alexander the Great, because he could just re-decide that it's not going to be that way. That's the worst segue in the whole It's not a great world. segue. This is This Podcast is Haunted. I'm Jen. That's Kate. She's talking about Alexander the Great. And I'm going to talk about another ancient later. Here we go. Oh, yes. All right. So Alexander the Great was born... In July of 356, uh, please remember that for these BCE, and this is this is BCE, uh, he died June of 323. So you'll notice those count backwards mm-hmm. um, as we progress. They're they're going towards zero. So think about timelines. Reason number one why I am not an ancient historian. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard to keep track of the numbers. Those backwards numbers, man. They'll fuck you mm-hmm. every time. They really will. So he's the son of Philip II, uh, who was king of Macedonia. And he was king for about four or five years before Alexander was born. During his reign as king, which uh, lasted about 25 years, he actually built up a huge and very efficient, well-trained army. Now, later, you're going to hear about what a great military leader Alexander was. Mm -hmm. And that's because he's standing on the shoulders of his father. Okay. His mother uh, was a woman named Olympias. Alexander wanted to be more than a prince or a warlord. So he wanted to be like the people he idolized most. And in his youth and even adulthood, he was obsessed with the Greek histories of Hercules and Achilles. (laughs) Hercules. You mean Hercules. Sorry. Yes, exactly. That's been going around on TikTok, which has been consuming my mind lately. Yes, God bless TikTok, uh, mm-hmm. although it does chew through my cell phone battery. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so anyways, um, <laughs> Alexander wanted to be just like Achilles and Hercules, mm-hmm. uh, who they were demigods. They were the son of Zeus. And so his mother, who was obsessed with her son, probably, <laughs> like she, uh, everything <laughs> in her world was about making sure that Alexander was successful. So she actually went so far as to say she encouraged him. And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was a virgin uh, until Zeus came and had his way with me. Mm-hmm. You are the result of that. You are a demigod. Zeus is your father. I've been noticing that there's a lot of like helicopter moms behind great men of history. <laughs> I mean, you know. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> I agree. And I think that phrase like... It's an old and shitty phrase, but it is true of the way the world used to be. Behind Uh every great man, there's a great woman supporting him. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly like his mom, which I think is like slightly more acceptable. (laughs) Although, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, just just tuck this little nugget away for, (laughs) for later. For real. Uh, so so she insists throughout his life um, after his father dies that, yeah, 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 you're definitely a demigod. Don't oh, even worry sure. about it. Don't even worry about mm-hmm. it. Um, so he, uh, he was born under very unusual circumstances. Uh, it, he was part of a great deal of prophecy. And uh, there were all sorts of signs and wonders all over his nation uh, when the night that he was born. For example, the Temple of Artemis or Diana uh, burned. Artemis, please. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> the temple to your cat. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
burned and um, the night that he was born. Uh, and it was the reason that it, it burned is that its priestess was away attending to his mother during her birth time. Oh, uh, that's that's like what it real? said. Oh, okay. that's the allegation. Okay. He would that's actually go thing on to about ancient history is nobody knows for sure. Right. There's a lot of um, there is a lot of legend built into this history. Uh, yes. Alexander gets built up a great deal. And maybe not all of it is totally fair. I don't know. As historians, we kind of have to take a step back and think about what is rational and what is written mm-hmm. later. Yeah. So anyway, um, so the priestess was at his mother's bedside. And that whole night, there were uncommonly bright stars all throughout the sky. Mm. Yeah. His childhood was mostly spent in very rigorous education um, as a prince, although not the only prince. Um, he was the only son of Olympia and King Philip, but King Philip did have other children with other women. Okay. Were they wives or these uh, bastards, as they say in my <laughs> Game of Thrones audiobook? There is definitely uh, at least two other wives, um, oh, okay. and actually one who produced a son before Olympia produces Alexander. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they actually hired... Um, Alexander, a great many tutors. Uh, They said that he was quite precocious early on, and they hired the very best tutors for him. One of those tutors uh, was Leonidas, who was a cousin to his mother. He taught him endurance and horsemanship, uh, Mm. and eventually that would lead to Alexander's very famous steed. Do you happen to know the name of this horse? Uh, it's okay if you don't. I, it's no, it's a name I that I promise you've heard before, but you probably don't have a context for it. But Bucephalus, does that ring a bell? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So Bucephalus was the lifetime mount of Alexander the Great. <laughs> and he Let's was a now. horse. All right, now. Sorry. Sorry. Reel it in. We'll, we'll get to the gay part, Jen. These are the Greeks. Something about the word mount. <sighs> okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> So anyways, um, Bucephalus was supposed to be the best horse of the best lineage, and Mm. he was the strongest, but nobody could tame him or saddle break him or even bridle break him. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, you know, all of these horsemen from all over the country came, and none of them could make any progress with this horse until Alexander spent a day observing them, and he realized Uh. what was bothering the horse. He, He treated the horse like a rational animal, and he realized that Bucephalus was afraid of his own shadow. Oh, that's so, so Yeah. Um, so at 11 or 12 years old, he got onto this enormous horse uh, that had never been broken, and mm-hmm. he made it stand facing the sun so that the horse okay. could never see his shadow. So all day long, together, they rode blindly into the sun until oh, okay. Bucephalus was used to carrying a rider. All right. Well, mm-hmm. uh, the original horse boy, you love to see it. You do. <laughs> Um, he also had a couple other uh, tutors, uh, Lysimachus, who taught him to love art and music and writing, uh, introduced him to the works of Homer, and then probably his most famous tutor, Aristotle. Oh, well, yeah, Arist- that's... yeah. Aristotle taught him ethics, uh, logic, um, a little bit of history and of the gods. Uh, mm. Also introduced him to his bud Diogenes. Um, are you familiar with Diogenes? I've heard of him. So Diogenes is, um, he's a Stoic. <laughs> You don't need oh. anything. Uh, he lived in a in an empty wine barrel. He uh, he kind of um, created a hermitage for himself. Oh, one of okay, his. Yeah, most... I was like, I was trying to re- was like an empty wine barrel, but then I remembered how big of some of those can get. Yeah, those are pretty big. Yeah, okay. it's not like he was living inside a box of Franzia. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was in the real deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So yeah. Diogenes is a pretty interesting character. Uh, he was very witty. And uh, some of my favorite story, um, he was brought by a very wealthy man into this house, this beautiful marble home. And uh, Diogenes, every time he would sniff or something, he would spit it on the floor like hawking a loogie. Gross. Yeah. Uh, so he goes to hawk this loogie and the rich man's like, no, 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 no. You, you can't do that here. There's or just, anywhere, Di- you animal. <laughs> right. Um, so Diogenes is like, what? I can't spit here? Like... I'm supposed mm-hmm. to just not spit. And so he spits mm-hmm. in the man's face and he says, there's nowhere to spit in a rich man's house, but in his own face. I'm sorry. I mean, that's a clever line, but this, the, what is Respect. it? It's, it's gross. Yeah. Um, what is now, it with he, men and spitting? I, I don't know. Uh, but he does have a similar interaction. Yeah, somewhat similar. Um, he interacts with... Uh, Alexander this way. Mm. So a very young Alexander is brought to meet him and uh, he, Alexander's quite moved by the way this guy teaches and how he lives. It's so different from the way he lives at the palace. And he says, hey, is there anything that I can bring you? Uh, anything that I can do for you? How can I help? And Diogenes stares up at him, this this the, this prince of his kingdom, the richest man in Greece. And he says, yeah, you can get out of the way. You're standing in my son. <laughs> All yeah. right. <laughs> I like that. Um, he also is very, in his youth, was known for um, what's called the last Gordian knot. Are you familiar? Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So the Gordian knot was uh, a knot used to tie, it was a very, very, very complicated knot uh, that the Gordian king would use to tie his horses to his chariot. Mm-hmm. And they said that anybody who could unravel the Gordian knot would unite all of Greece. And okay. so it became Alexander's passion to undo this knot. He was he would spend hours trying to figure out how to unravel this very, very, very complicated knot. Until finally, he stood up, put the still knotted knot on the table, whipped out his knife and chopped it in half. And then it unraveled perfectly. <laughs> okay, yep, that's one way to do yeah. it. <laughs> It worked. Yeah. So he he would go on to unite Greece, uh, but it says a lot about how he would accomplish that. Mm. Instead of using logic and, and strong words and, and thinking through a problem, he would just chop through the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much exactly what Alexander the Great does. Okay. Uh, along the way, he also gets educated in drinking heavily. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Apparently, um, Macedonia is known for a court life that included drinking like like a beast, like a frat boy, just from the get-go. You know, that doesn't Um, surprise me. (laughs) Right? Uh, So it said that he was educated in drinking and drinking games and in holding his liquor. Uh, Some of the uh, greatest accomplishments of his life are actually done seven sheets to the wind. Okay. It's that's actually something we're going to talk about a couple times. Uh, shit he did while drunk. So his father, King Philip, is assassinated in 336 BCE. Alexander's 20. At this point in time, he and his dad have a shit ass relationship. Um, the father was about to remarry to a woman named Cleopatra. Not that Cleopatra. Yeah, there's a um, lot of them, huh? There. There are. Uh, The other Cleopatra is definitely going to pop up here, Mm -hmm. uh, but she's not going to be a thing for another 100, 200 years. So we have some time. Okay. Um, Anyway, his father's about to remarry, and uh, Alexander and his mother may actually have set the assassination against his father. And as soon as it's announced, you know, whether or not that they did that... Uh, even though a lot of people were like kind of whispering behind their hands. Mm-hmm. It is definite that Alexander went and quickly killed the other son. Uh, 
Yep. Just kind of was like, hey, guess who's king now? It's me. No questions asked. There's a lot of that uh, going on. Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexander becomes king, uh, and he sets to do what his father always wanted to do, which is actually capture the Persian Empire. So at this point in time, uh, Greek is not a united... Greek. <sighs> Greece is not a united nation. Uh, there are a bunch of city-states still, and they're rather dysfunctional. <laughs> Um, And then just beyond them, really around the rest of the Mediterranean, is the Persian Empire. Uh, And the Persian Empire is incredibly wealthy and incredibly well organized and was the greatest empire known to man at that time period. And so Alexander set out to do what his father never could do and capture that empire. Um, Along the way, he would actually change the names of cities. Uh, As he saw fit, he would make them more Greek. He would found new cities. Pretty much any time you come across a map... Uh, of that area of the country, and it says Alexandria. That's named for our Alex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Including the city in Egypt of Alexandria. So his army uh, was never to exceed 50,000 men, which is actually not a lot of people. I was going to say. But yeah, they spent, not yeah, not big. Uh, most of them would be foot infantry, uh, about 32,000 infantry, 5,000 cavalry or so. Uh, not huge, but they were very well trained. Um, they made famous what is called the phalanx or the phalanx. Um, it's a way of uh, shield wrapping to kind of break through another army's defenses like a puncture. Oh, okay. And then uh, they were also incredibly loyal. And Alexander sought that loyalty at the point of brutality. Anybody who stood against him or said that he was wrong or insulted him, even behind their, his back, um, would not be tolerated. They would be routed out. Uh, often he put them to death himself. Hmm. So with his own men, he was incredibly fierce. But with the people that he conquered, he didn't conquer them to make them act as if they were Greek. So first he united Greek, the Greek city-states, and then he moved on to this Persian empire where they came across new ideas and new ways of eating. And um, they didn't make them more Greek. They just said, here's the rules. You have to keep the supply chain open to supply the army. Everything else you can keep doing the way you were doing. And when you have a kind of loose empire like that, you do tend to be more successful. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that because people don't really want to change anything. But if they're like, okay, you beat us, that's fair. But right. then they're like, oh, but you don't actually have to change anything about what you're doing. And they're like, oh, okay, well, all right. Then. Exactly. <laughs> and the the Catholic Church actually did this really well. They were like, listen, 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 you can keep all your feast days to all these pagan gods. Now they're about Christian saints. Enjoy. We're just going <laughs> to slap a different name on them. That's Although right, I would, able. I would push back a little bit to say that they did also famously uh, kill a lot of people who didn't come uh, at different so. times of history, but not in the early days. Okay. Um, so at the early, like you know, the meeting at Nicene and spreading around the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. less about the killing. Yeah, and then there's that those was really more of a Spanish thing and Inquisition. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well. You know, little of this, little of that. (laughs) Um, So Alexander himself also was kind of part of a hearts and minds tour. Uh, He carried books of knowledge and he sought to know as much as possible about the people and regions that he he was conquering. Um, And again, he, he never imposed Macedonian culture on them. Hmm. Uh, He did try to unify culture, though. And one of the ways that he did that was through marriage. Um, The odd 
forced marriage. Ah. Uh, it was more successful than you might believe okay. um, because there were orders for if if he were, he, for example, there was a, a, a mass marriage at Seussis and um, the men were ordered to love and care for their wives as they loved and cared for Alexander. And so it was by, by kind of um, uniting Mm-hmm. You know, very much against everybody's will, but still with these orders to be kind to one another, you can kind of get to that place of love and having children who respect both sides. Sure. And and it kind of united the region. Right. And also, like, we love to prescribe modern ideas about love and marriage to history. And so, like, it's important to remember that people at the time didn't really view marriage as, like, love match is... So- right. And, and that varies region to region, too. And you actually make a very good point. Yes, you are correct. So uh, where he met opposition, he dealt with it mercilessly. Um, one such place was on the island nation of Tyre or Tyr. Mm-hmm. So it looks like T-Y-R-E on the map. Sure. Um, if you, it was a city island uh, off the coast of Lebanon and Egypt. And when the region fell to Alexander, the island held out. And the island was like, nah. Not going to be your thing. This is so, my island. <laughs> this is literally the hill we're going to die on. Yes. Respect. Respect. So what do you do for an island that is not going to play the game? Burn it down. I don't know. Great idea. Okay. Siege. Oh, yeah. And during that time period, a siege meant siege machines. Mm. But how do you move siege machines to an island? It's an island. Boats? Big boats? Boats, and you build a causeway. Okay. And you line that causeway with your siege machines. Okay. Uh, They did eventually take the island, but they left the siege machines in place. And those siege machines, you know, being caught in the drift, you know, the causeway would get flooded eventually. Mm -hmm. They were well built, packed closely together, and they started to develop silt and earth collected on them. (gasps) What? It got so well built out by collecting the silt and earth on these literal siege machines that Alexander laid out that Tyre or Tyr is now a mainland city in Lebanon. No way. Alexander the Great changed the face of the literal earth. That's so cool. Yeah. You don't think about the the actions of one or two people changing the fucking map. (laughs) Right. So his motivations were hearts and minds, uh, you know, this respect for the the old world, but certainly also revenge. Revenge played a part. Um, When he came across... Uh, into the Persian land uh, to the city of Persepolis, uh, which you've heard of. They they have a really great um, graphic novel about modern day Persepolis. Yes, yes. And it was turned into a super dope animated fe- uh, feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why most people would know that name. Um, but the this Persian uh, city was the stronghold of Xerxes uh, during the Peloponnesian War. Peloponnesian? Yeah, Peloponnesian. You could have said anything and I would have been like, sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I'm right. Um, This is when King Xerxes, who was a Persian king, came Mm -hmm. and invaded Greece. Speaking of graphic novels, the graphic novel 300 is based on this story where the 300 Spartans go against the Persian army. Oh, this guy. This guy. This is Sparta, those people. Yeah. The line that launched a thousand douche bros. (laughs) Right. Yes. Although, that being said, it is in its own right a really good story. It is. I just am tired of the reference. <laughs> yes, that's fair. So um, that battle um, happened 100 years before Alexander was born, but Homeboy bears a grudge pretty well. So 
uh, while King Xerxes was mounting uh, this mounting. plan against Greece. Hmm. Stop it. <laughs> You're such a child. <laughs> you did this to I'm me. I'm supposed to be the dirty one, Jen. You did this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, during the course of this, he actually burned down the Acropolis. And Alexander was pissed about it. So while he and his guy friends were celebrating the sacking of Persepolis with all of their concubines and whores, one of the whores starts telling the story of Xerxes burning down the Acropolis. And Alexander gets it in his head that that shit ain't fair. So while very, 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 very drunk, he takes a number of torches, this whore and his main generals, and they start setting fire to the city. Oh, okay. They burned across, they burned Persepolis down because of something that happened a hundred years ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. Pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not great. Not mm-hmm. great. No. So as he goes on and he continues to move through uh, the Persian Empire, he starts to take on Persian customs. He actually starts calling himself and making others call him Shahan Shah which is the king of kings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he started dressing in Persian fashions and using a Persian greeting where you have to bow over his hand and then kiss his hand mm-hmm. before he would acknowledge you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You laugh, but we still use that today, don't we? Right. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> exactly. So he also uh, showed a great deal of respect to the armies that he conquered. He would take their leaders if they fought well and he would build them into his own army, putting them alongside shoulder to shoulder with his own Macedonians, Mm -hmm. and they really started to resent that. He would give them honored Macedonian titles. He would give them control of Macedonian men. Uh, Because remember, his whole thing is unity. These aren't people I've conquered. These are his people now. He's a king. Right. That only makes Um, sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, his men objected. Uh, Specifically, uh, a Cletus and a Calisthenes, who were major generals in his army, they insulted him and... They said that, oh, you're you're becoming like these grubby people we're conquering. And uh, Alexander was not going to deal with that. <laughs> so he had uh, Calisthenes imprisoned and then crucified. Oh, Although, God. yeah, <laughs> crucifixion. And it was the upside down kind. So Ooh. it's, whew, yeah, it's really uncomfortable the whole time. Mm-hmm. It is possible that he just died while he was in jail. Mm. Uh, but he still for sure died. Uh, Cletus himself, <laughs> uh, or, or Cletus, it might actually be. But I like Cletus better, right? Cletus. Like, just make it a little Cletus. Cletus. Um, when this insult made his way to him, Alexander himself grabbed a javelin of the army and th- thrust it through his chest at about 40 yards. Just, right, he was then. an expert javelin thrower. Yeah, I guess so. He would not, uh, he wasn't going to hustle with that shit. <laughs> Uh, So he begins to, he's continuing to spread across the Persian Empire, and now he begins to prepare to take India. Right before he crosses the Ganges River, uh, he is put into battle with the king of Taxila. And the king of Taxila kind of like rolls over and says, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You win, you win, you win. Mm -hmm. But the local tribes around that area didn't find that to be good enough. They took elephants and they introduced them against Alexander's Say it. Cavalry. Cavalry. Uh, they introduced these horses uh, versus the elephants, mm-hmm. and uh, they they are eventually beaten. The elephants and, and their riders do fall, but Alexander was so impressed that he takes their leader, whose name is Porus, uh, and he installs him as the leader of an even greater area, higher than that of the king of Taxila. During that battle, his horse was killed underneath him. Oh. 
So in that region, uh, he actually founded a city in his horse's name. <laughs> and the city of Bucephala is still there today. Horse boy. Horse boy. Bucephalia, possibly. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, he's definitely a horse boy. <laughs> um, so his, he's preparing his troops now to cross the Ganges and take over India. But his troops mutiny and refuse. And there's enough of them who are mutinying that Alexander, for once in his life, has to listen to somebody else. Aww. Uh, I know, heaven forbid. It's a real bummer. Um, so he splits his army in half, and in so doing, he makes it a little weaker. He sends half of them home, and around this time, there's another battle where his right-hand man, Hephaestion, dies. Let me tell you a brief little bit about Hephaestion. Please. He was, he was literally Alexander's number two. They were always together. When he died, Alexander was so grief-stricken that he slaughtered entire towns, uh, in his name. He ordered all the manes and tails from every horse to be shorn, which was a sign of grief. Yeah. So. Uh, the doctor who was ordered to save Hephaestion was put to death because he failed in his orders. Oh, man. Ale- <laughs> Alexander <laughs> abstained from all food and drink, and he ordered every land in his entire holding to throw Hephaestion a funeral fit for a king, and he would never, ever, ever fill the role that Hephaestion uh, had ever again. So he continued on without a right-hand man. So do you think they were just pals being pals? or <laughs> You know, pals being pals. Uh, I feel like a lot of historians over the years have been like, right, they were like roommates, right? That, and so they were roommates. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they were generals together. Oh yeah, uh, definitely they were boyfriends. And I think it's, um, you know, when we're looking at, uh, you know, stories of Achilles and his... Who was Achilles' boyfriend? I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere Brandon's yelling at us. He knows. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Scops in the book, anyway. Uh, yeah, so definitely uh, these guys are Greek, and they had those uh, very tight male relationships. Guy love. Just the love <laughs> between two guys. Exactly. Still, though, I think uh, as far as a romantic potential uh mourning ceremony goes that's a pretty good one yeah i mean it's very romantic i expect that when i die dan's probably gonna burn down most of west michigan yeah (laughs) and then build the taj mahal Ugh, tacky no okay i want it built out of diamonds (laughs) plaster i hardly think so a stone plaster tomb Ugh. I hardly think so. Mm-mm. Well, fortunately, Alexander did not have to go long without Hephaestion. Uh, he actually died within the next year. Aw. I know. Sad. From drinking. Oh, okay. Uh, he was just about uh, 32 years old. Shit, man. Math, math, math. Yeah. He got a lot done in the 13 years that he was king. Yeah, he did. Now, actually, this is one of history's great cold cases. We're not 100% sure what killed Alexander the Great. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, his body got a great deal tampered with. And so you can't even do like a modern day toxicology or anything like that. <laughs> um, the, the, the story is that he was in Babylon, which mm. is Budapest today. Really? No. no, that's well, not right. Baghdad. Bag- yeah, I was going to say. Baghdad. I, I knew it was like, something with a B. I'm looking at a map right now. I was like, that's far wrong away. area. <laughs> yes. So he's in he's in ancient Baghdad, then called Babylonia, uh, Babylon, hmm. and uh, he was drinking heavily with his men and his hosts. Um, when the next day he fell into a 14 day fever and then died. So the ideas are his liver was finally like tap tap. I'm out. <laughs> 
Uh, it's also possible he contracted meningitis, mm. malaria, a bacterial infection from bad water, or poison, poison itself. Poison. Poison. So in his last breath, he... And his, uh, accounts differ. Um, he, they said, who should you, who should be your successor? Uh, since Hephaestion was already dead. And some people say he whispered the strongest, but mm. other people said that he named these four people. Um, and these four <laughs> was people. Was it those four people who said that he named those four people? <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, it was. And oh. they, uh, they had a great deal of weaponry to back it up. Well, well. <laughs> so these are his four generals, Cassander, Antigonus. Uh, Seleucus and Ptolemy. So mm, Cassander, Ptolemy. ah, a ah. familiar name. Aha. Uh, Cassander goes back. He he's given the area of Macedon- Macedonia. Uh, he kills Alexander's wife. Her name was Roxanne. Roxanne. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, I knew you were going to do it. Uh, <laughs> I gave you. I gave you a beat even. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so her name was Roxanne. Uh, we don't really know a whole lot about her. I'm sure somebody does, but she was barely a footnote in most of this. His mother and his son were all killed by Cassander, uh, in order to certify that he was now the king of Macedonia. What a great friend. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of the reasons that everybody thinks it's so shady. Uh, and then the other two regions kind of going, if you go around the, um, Mediterranean Sea, clockwise, uh, went to Antigonus and Seleucus, and then Ptolemy was uh, part of Egypt. Now, Ptolemy uh, creates the Ptolemic dynasty. Yes, yes, um, yes. And one of the ways that he ensures the Ptolemic dynasty shines bright upon the earth is by fulfilling a prophecy, wherein he steals Alexander's body and smuggles it into Egypt. Okay, yes, because I knew that his body ended up in Alexandria, Egypt. Yes. And I was wondering how. Yep, smuggled, oh. brought there. Yeah. Uh, so Ptolemy brings it in, and and by having the the body of this great man, he's ensuring the sun will never set on his empire. I mean, it does, but Oops. not for a while. <laughs> right, not for a while, uh, not for seven generations, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to the last leader of the Ptolemic dynasty, Cleopatra the seventh. Yes, yes, yes. Now this show is not called. Uh, this podcast is ancient history. Yeah, much as. One would want it to not be, but you know. So. That would be dope and all. <laughs> but we do have to have a ghost story that goes with. Yes. Um, so, well, we don't always, but we really try to, guys. We try. And then sometimes we're like, well, isn't this interesting, though? <laughs> right? Wasn't this a fun story? So, uh, so this story comes out of the perfect place i think okay uh, this this story is about the balkans which was part of the land of alexander the great but the actual séance that brought out the spirit of alexander was done in the most holy of places uh-huh florida oh my god what yeah. <laughs> yep what? <laughs> what? so this story Indeed, yes. Uh, you are not wrong. When? Um, this is a story from 2009. Oh my God. Uh, April 13th of 2009. Yes. Um, and it was uh, reported by Sinisa Yakov Marusik uh, from, oh gosh, the uh, Balkan Times. So, ghost of Alexander the Great, quote, urges peace. In Florida? In Florida. Oh my God. Don't question it, Jen. Uh, so basically the idea... I'm sorry. It's so funny. I fucking love yeah, seances no, no. like this. I mean, this is the best seance ever, I think. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So this is uh, a spirit medium, Stephen Herman, uh, mm-hmm. who was giving a reading to uh, Macedonian history enthusiast Alexander Donsky. 
Of course, his name's uh, Alexander. They recorded this, right? Alexander Donsky. It's perfect. It's like um, so that he's kid actually, was like looking around for a hobby at a young age and he'd picked up and his mom like, oh, here, here's a book about a guy who's named, who has the same name as you. And then he's like, I will devote my entire life to this man. I, I think that's probably exactly what happened. Yeah. So in 2008, uh, they videotaped uh, a seance in which the spirit medium Herman claims he feels the presence of a young looking strong figure dressed mm. up in lion pelt who wishes to mm. speak. Now, if you look to Greek mythology, who very famously wore the, wore the lion pelt, Hercules. 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 Yes. Yeah. Um, so this ghost, according to the claims, and I, I am reading from this newspaper article, according to the claims, took an interest in Macedonia's culture and linguistics and urged the people of the region of his old 4th century BCE to embrace reconciliation. Uh, and so the, the, the history enthusiast Alexander says, without revealing to him my personal data, he, the spirit medium Herman, knew exactly who I am, where I come from, and who my relatives are. Uh, Herman, who on his own homepage is presented as an international spirit medium, offered, quote, private readings and group sessions available in person or by phone. Uh, he also <laughs> correctly guessed the ongoing burning debate, 2009 burning debate in Donsky's hometown of Stip, as to whether or not a statue of this warrior king Alexander should be put up in the city center or not. Okay. It was a long-standing dispute over mm-hmm. Macedonia's formal name with Greece, which implies territorial claims over its northern territory with the same name. Anyway, uh, this breaks down into small town politics, but Alexander is saying, guys, 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 mm. I united you all once. Can't we all just get along? Oh, my God. And that's what, uh, that's what the spirit of the greatest leader uh, of the end of the ancient world would like us to know about. Well, middle of the ancient world. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great. Um, I, I would like to speak with Alexander myself via spirit, spirit medium sometime, I think. Yeah, I have buddy. questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his friend. Friend? <laughs> friend. friend. Best friend. All right. Mm. So with that, uh, that's all I have about Alexander. Pretty interesting guy. Mm-hmm. I'll turn the floor over to you. Okay. So we're going to jump across to the boot, Italy. And we're gonna talk about some uh, some emperors over there. Um, Hot dog! They had a, they had a lot of good emperors over yonder. Fuck! There was a lot going on. Um, so so uh, this is actually great timing uh, that you suggested this topic because David and I have been watching the HBO show Rome. Um, have you? Ever, oh yeah. Have you watched that? I haven't. It is, it came out in like 2005 and you you can tell a little bit, especially in the intro, there's a lot of like 90s slow-mo in there, (laughs) but but it's, it's actually a pretty good show. Um, the, the wonderful legendary Kieran Hins, uh, who you might know as Mance Raider from Game (gasps) of Thrones, plays Gaius Julius Caesar (laughs) and he's fantastic um yeah so that it basically covers uh the rise of julius caesar to becoming dictator for life and then like his swift um uh, removal from office (laughs) i guess but guess who plays brutus who tobias menzies (gasps) oh i love him sorry i'm sorry uh that wasn't me gasping that was my actual vagina Yeah, he's he's very good at playing like uh, a man with a grudge. 
You know what? He's also good in comedy roles, though. Uh, If Mm. you ever get the chance on Amazon Prime to watch the show Catastrophe, okay, he play. He's a bit character. He's not on all the time, but he's the um, OBGYN for the female lead, and he's just like kind of a casual asshole all the time, and he's so Mm. fucking funny. Yeah, he's great. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend this show. I think um, it's not a perfect show, but you know, it's it's entertaining. Um, now that he's in it, I'm totally gonna watch it. I'm gonna start. Oh yeah, tonight. you should. Yeah. Also, in true HBO uh, form, there is a lot of sex. <laughs> I expect so. nothing less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They also definitely took some liberties, but you know, it's fine. It's ancient history. Um, so yeah, I was in the mood for something uh, Roman related. So I was just like Googling, are there ghosts of Caesar or are there, you know, whatever. Uh, so I stumbled upon this story. My sources, of course, are Wikipedia. And (laughs) my other source is a blog called Great Caesar's Ghost, Rome is Haunted by Jonathan Rome on his blog, Rome on Rome. That's a very fantastic, like he saw his opportunity and he took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, on the about me section, he was like, well, with a last name like mine, I uh, figured I'd be a... I should get into it. It's kind of like what I was talking about with the guy who's named Alexander being like, I'm going to be obsessed with this other Alexander. So this guy's like, Rome. (laughs) Rome. (laughs) Anyway, what are your sources? Uh, Just very briefly, everybody. um, Like I said, the newspaper, the Balkan Times uh, from April 13th to 2019. And then um, the Ancient History Encyclopedia article, Alexander the Great, Joshua J. Mark, November of 2013 uh, from Ancient History Lists, Top 10 Amazing Facts About Alexander the Great, updated November 20th of 2019 by Sagat Adekiri. Probably butchering that. Sorry, friend. Alexander the Not-So-Great, History Through Persian Eyes by Professor Ali Ansari. Uh, That is a BBC link wow your sources and that's are it. so legit <laughs> Mine's wikipedia. i mean that's there's nothing wrong with wikipedia i okay so like in this particular subject matter as well wikipedia is extremely thorough <laughs> right i as you might i have, have never wikipedia shamed you and i never will um, yeah so there's a lot of uh classics nerds who write wikipedia articles and so i trust them um (laughs) so i i was like googling around for like what ghosts are around of like you know ancient emperors and it turns out that there is basically only one known ghost story of in a roman emperor and that is emperor nero that motherfucker um i don't know how much you know about nero i didn't really know a whole lot except for people would be like oh nero um, the only thing I think I know about Nero is that he was about as corrupt as Caligula, mm-hmm. and he was a fiddler. They say he fiddled while Rome burned. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. Um, so okay. Those are literally the only two things I could tell you, though. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I knew even less than that. So I went on a Wikipedia binge. But first... Hell yeah. My first question was, how did we get from Gaius Julius Caesar to Nero. Like what Like what was the chain of events there? Um, because, Is he the successor or wasn't uh, Augustus? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go okay. through the whole thing. Okay, sorry, um, sorry. Pay attention, <laughs> just hang on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get too excited. So Nero was the last emperor of the Julio-Claudian dynasty. Um, okay. 
so that was it was named from like two very important families the the julii and the claudii um they're imperial families think like game of thrones like houses um um i claudius the book uh was they made me read it in three different classes in college so mm -hmm. uh that's actually a pretty good one uh tiberius claudius i'm with you Hmm. okay uh yeah so he is descended from both of those families um okay and they were patrician families, which is the ruling class, and not to be confused uh-huh. with the plebeians, the lower class, which is where we get fantastic insults like, oh, you plebeian. Um, mm. Anyway, the, nobody says that except for nerds, and that's what I am. So, um, <laughs> um, so it, it did kind of start with Julius Caesar. Um, he kind of started this dynasty, but he's not actually technically counted as the first emperor, which was actually a trivia question from back when I was doing trivia when the bars were open and there was much discussion over (laughs) whether or not he was considered an actual emperor. But technically, he's not. Um, Really? Yeah. I. So, okay. So he was one of the first, he was one third of the first triumvirate um, along with Crassus and Pompey Magnus. Pompey Magnus is in the show Rome. And so you kind of see how this goes down. So Caesar was like kind of the military arm of this triumvirate. So he was in Gaul um, waging war with the 13th Legion, which is legendary. Uh-huh. Um, Pompey was in Rome with the Senate. And uh, then Crassus dies i guess he's not really in the show or at all he's not really mentioned but i think crashes dies shortly before this happens and so so pompey is like okay caesar it's time to come home your term is done basically and pompey is like they're they're kind of like in a cold war of like who's has more power who's gonna give up first and who's who's weak so caesar uh is like basically finds some dumb excuse to like be all offended by pompey and then he decides to march to rome with his 13th legion and then he crosses the rubicon river uh with his armed forces which is against the law um because apparently you're not supposed to have armies in rome and that's where we get the idiom crossing the rubicon to mean passing the point of no return cool um yeah so like once he crossed the rubicon he was like considered an enemy of rome and like he was breaking the law breaking the law breaking the sorry 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this launches like a full civil war that lasts for about a year he basically marches his army into rome takes the city pompey flees to greece and then caesar goes to chase him. They have this huge battle that Pompey loses and he flees to Egypt um, where he is promptly assassinated. <laughs> Caesar shows up in Egypt days later and finds out that Pompey was assassinated and he was pissed because Egypt is a client state of Rome at this time. And he was just like, how dare you kill this man that I was just trying to kill? That's my job. Right. I don't know. I think he just saw it as, like, a client state, like, being uppity and, like, assuming that they knew what to do. But And so he just, like, made a huge show of, like, executing the man who assassinated Pompey and, like, reaffirming, like, his dominance over them. Um, But, of course, this is the time of Cleopatra VII. um, What a perfect handoff. 
Yes, yes, yes. So she wasn't actually on the throne at the time. She had been uh, deposed by her younger brother, Ptolemy uh-huh. the Twelfth, I think. And so Caesar shows up, is all pissed, and then he goes and finds Cleopatra. And Cleopatra's like, hey, Caesar, let's work together. And so she seduces him. They sleep together. Uh, she allegedly uh, is pregnant with his baby. And so he helps put her, restore her to the throne of Egypt. And she bears him a son named Caesarian, who becomes the last pharaoh of Egypt. Neat. Isn't that fun? Yes. So Caesar returns to Rome and basically the the rebellion is over, the, the civil war is over, and he has been victorious. And so he basically kind of stacks the Senate or like subdues the Senate and... They name him Dictator for Life. Yikes. <laughs> yes. Which they were not super thrilled about, but they were scared of him at that point. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, do, 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 do. Uh, he, sorry, Artie was just like, she has the zoomies. I think she just pooped. Um. <laughs> she gets excited after she poops? Yeah. Does Meatloaf do that? No. <laughs> Meatloaf doesn't get the poop zoomies? No, he doesn't. I think that's just an arty thing. <laughs> I've no, never no, no. heard it's of a, that before. A lot of cats do. Really? If I Google poop zoomies right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Huh. Uh, I will say, when Meatloaf was a kitten and we were all still in the apartment, mm. uh, he liked to. He didn't like to poop alone. <laughs> and so mm. he would stand in the bathroom and scream until yeah. I came in. Did you? Were you ever at that apartment? once okay so the bathroom was split in two there was like where uh-huh. the sink was and all of our like bathroom stuff and then there was the toilet and the shower in like another room mm-hmm. and so i would sit on the toilet and pee and meatloaf would get in his box and we would both lean forward to look at the other and then meow at dan oh my god and dan was like this is the weirdest shit and i would just shout meatloaf and i are best friends <laughs> and so to this day meatloaf prefers an audience when he poops naturally naturally where did we leave um. off yeah, okay, so so Caesar is named Dictator for Life, and he doesn't really have, like, a legit heir at the moment. Um, I guess he's not counting Caesarian. Well, Caesarian does die as, like, a teenager, so I'm sure. not really sure exactly on the timing of this. Um, so he doesn't have, like, his own really legitimate heir, so he adopts his great-nephew, Octavian, who is also in this show. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so he changes his name to Gaius Octavian, uh, or actually he he changes it to Gaius Julius Caesar because that's apparently the tradition when you get adopted you change your name to the name of your adopted father but historians think that's confusing so they basically just keep calling him Octavian Uh, and so will I Um, so shortly after that as we all know, Caesar is assassinated in the Senate. He alleged, you know, according to Shakespeare, says, et tu brute. Um, anyway, um, so this happens. It's witnessed or at least found out by the friends of Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Octavian, his, you know, son and heir, and then also Marcus Lepidus, and they form a second triumvirate with the goal to avenge Caesar's death and rule Rome. So they want to hunt down all of the men who stabbed him, which is a lot, <laughs> right. and then kill them and then reassert their dominance. Right. Um, that doesn't go entirely well. In fact, they all just uh, 
end up going to war against each other, <laughs> the, the, the triumvirate does, because men, uh, they can't handle sharing power. It's true. Um, so uh, Octavia, Octavian ends up winning, and then through a series of settlements, he gains more and more power from the Senate, and he changes his name to Augustus, uh, which is a religious title that he worked into his, his name, and becomes sole ruler in 23 BC, and thus... He is considered the first emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus. Okay. So when when they're discussing um, paying their taxes uh, and riding to Bethlehem to pay those taxes, Mm -hmm. they say, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar. Well, that comes later. Jesus says that. Uh, But anyways, those taxes would have been paid to Augustus. Well, yeah. I mean, depending on the timing, because if you believe that, as Christians believe that Jesus was born in the year zero, conveniently. Um, well, in fairness, that's not really been in power at that time. It's so that was set up. You can't really be like, oh, Christians believe this. Uh, it was a system yeah. that was set up by Christian historians who were making the rules a million years ago. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I follow your point. Yes. Um, so, but I'm just I'm just trying to align uh, time periods. Right. Yeah. So jesus was would have been crucified in the year 30 ish yeah they're about oh wait no this is uh, 23 bc right so what I, that's, I mean. that's why i started talking about his parents uh riding never to Bethlehem. mind this is why i'm not a classicist because <laughs> this ah, the timing is confusing yeah right so there's about 50 20 years. years before the birth of christ exactly and 50 years before his death Yes. Anyway. And then 300 so, years before anybody declares him a god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We okay. can take that out. That's so, too political. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he is the first emperor of Rome. And he also has no clear heir. So he, power passes to his, his stepson, Tiberius, who becomes emperor Tiberius for the next 22 years. And then power passes to Caligula, who reigned for three years, who is the maternal grandson of Augustus and adopted son of Tiberius. See, this is where I was getting confused because there's no direct lineage. Sure. Um, It was all like adopted, like nephews and grandsons. Um, That's so so, interesting because we don't talk about that much. And really, you know, it kind of goes against what we think of as lineage um, when we're Mm -hmm. looking at things like, uh, like the secession of the English throne. I think it's, I think it's something that's really interesting that I think it influenced the later obsession with lineage because partly because of how violent these like power takeovers were. Although this seems to be relatively smooth, but like, you know, with the different triumvirates and like all these different ways of like passing power, it never really seemed to go that smoothly. And I think that really made later kings very skittish about not having a secure line of succession. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cause they didn't want to start a bunch of civil wars anyway yeah that was tiberius and then caligula um and then claudius who was a nephew of tiberius <laughs> reigns for 13 years and then finally nero so uh nero was born december 15th uh in the year 37 ce so hey, he's a sagittarius era. so we are yes yeah uh so we're counting up now in numbers perfect <laughs> and uh um, and he rolled to the year 68. So, yeah. So I guess uh, Jesus would have died under the rule of Claudius. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> uh, keeping track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Nero was the son of 
Agrippina the Younger and Agnaeus Domitus. Uh, he's not important, so I'm not going to bother <laughs> trying to say the name. Valid. It's long, and I don't care. Ag- Agrippina the Younger was the sister of Caligula, so that's the connection to power there. Okay. Um, her mother was the maternal granddaughter of Emperor Augustus, who is descended from his only daughter, Julia. So, like, I don't know. She's related to all of them somehow, and it's fine. They're sure. in power. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Nero's biological father dies, um, like, when he's three, so that's why it doesn't really matter. She marries twice after, um, and her second husband is Claudius. So Claudius adopts Nero as his son in 49 CE when he's 12. And Claudius uh, does actually already have a son um, with his third wife, Valeria Messalina. Um, His name was Britannicus, but turns out his mother, uh, Valeria, was in a bigamous marriage (laughs) without Claudius's knowledge. So he essentially dumps her and their son along with her. And that's why he marries Agrippina and then adopts Nero. Jesus Christ. This is, yes. (laughs) I spent a long time being like, "Uh, okay, uh, what's going on? So... It's, it's a big old mess. But Nero is the heir, but there is another brother, and that's going to be a problem later. Um, so Nero, as the heir, he's, like, featured on coins and, like, make, starts making speeches and is, like, introduced to the public to be, like, this is it. This is who's coming um, and while he's a teenager. So uh, when he turns 16, he marries Claudius's daughter, his stepsister, <laughs> Uh, Claudia Octavia. Claudius dies that same year, 54 CE. Many historians claim that he was poisoned by Agrippina, who wanted Nero to take over. Okay. Um, So uh, some say because he was starting to show signs of affection towards his own son, Britannicus, and Agrippina was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. So, I mean, obviously, as we know, there's not a lot of accurate or reliable reports so we are not exactly sure what happened but what we do know is that in the time leading up to claudius's death agrippina arranged to have the guards and tutors surrounding britannicus replaced with her own supporters (laughs) so this is what ned stark should have done right right before robert baratheon died Um, so when Claudius dies, Nero's rise to power was without incident because everyone surrounding Britannicus was like, no, 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 (laughs) just stay, stay down. Um, so Nero is suddenly the emperor at age 16, making him the youngest emperor for a while. There's one younger that comes like hundreds of years later, but. Um, And he is also the pharaoh of Egypt, which means that he has a title that translates to Emperor Nero, ruler of rulers, chosen by Ta, beloved of Isis, the sturdy armed one who struck the foreign lands victorious for Egypt, ruler of rulers, again, chosen of none who loves him. Jesus. That's a fantastic title. title was long. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So uh, one thing that was good about his early reign was that unlike his predecessors, Caligula and Claudius, he 
at first respected the authority of the Senate. Um, I mean, I think mostly because he was a teenager. Right. Um, and so he was kind of like, yeah, you guys are, you are legitimate. You have power. I will not get in your way. You can, you know, I don't know, separation of powers, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and there's not a ton of evidence for his early politics, but the records that do survive uh, say that he was well-meaning, but not the brightest. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a very charitable way to look at someone who will later be considered quite a tyrant. So Agrippina, dear old Mumsy, she, by many accounts, uh, was very Cersei-like in her intention to rule through her son. Uh-huh. Uh, she apparently murdered her political rivals, um, including an aunt of Nero's who had lived with Nero while Agrippina was briefly in exile. She had coins minted with both her and Nero's face on them. Uh, and she uh, stuffed Nero's council with men who are loyal to her. So she Man. Was, remember when I was talking about uh, helicopter moms? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes, very much so. So Nero's relationship with his mother was started to deteriorate. She was critical of like his hobbies, I guess. <laughs> um, and also uh, he, he was having an affair with an enslaved woman named Claudia Acte. Uh-huh. And she saw this as his uh, emancipation from her influence. So he was no longer listening to her and he was just kind of doing what his uh, what he wanted to do. So she threatened to side with Britannicus and kind of, you know, like... Oust him. Yeah, oust him. And then, oh, uh, Britannicus was poisoned. So <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. So that was probably Nero. Um, so, and then she started getting closer to Nero's wife, Octavia, and then Nero was like, no, 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 uh, and exiled uh, his mother. <laughs> and then Nero had another affair with um, a noblewoman named Papea Sabina while she was still married um, either to a man named Otho or a man named Rufrius Crispinus. <laughs> wow. Crispinus. <laughs> That's a really great name. <sighs> yes. Um, this, uh, since Agrippina was tight with Nero's actual wife, Octavia, she was likewise pissed about this new affair. And so their relationship deteriorated further. People aren't exactly sure the, the nitty gritty of what happened, but allegedly Nero had uh, one of his servants arrange for a ship that Agrippina was sailing on to wreck uh, but she survived and swam to shore uh, wow. then he apparently rigged her bedroom ceiling to fall in on her but she Holy also survived Christ. that <laughs> um and uh, when that failed he finally just had his servant just straight up stab her uh, so uh she died uh and apparently he tried to rig it so that it looked like a suicide but everyone basically knew that he had his mother killed and apparently he was tormented by her ghost for the rest of his life which is only fitting i feel like that's mm -hmm. you know like any good mom would haunt her kid after that shit yeah yeah she's like oh okay this is how it is i right. see um, i only put you on yeah. this throne 
Yeah. You see all that your mother does for you and you you don't appreciate it. Yeah. So he was so tormented by her, the memory of her or her ghost um, that he hired magicians and necromancers to conjure her spirit and beg her to leave him alone. Uh, But he continued to be plagued by her. Wow. Yeah. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, So things got worse from there. Like, there's a lot of historians who think that, like, things were on the whole going pretty well before his mother's death. But then, like, I don't know if, like, she was the one keeping it all together um, or if, like, he just lost it after her death. But, like, he... Apparently lost all sense of right and wrong and listened to flattery with total credulity. <laughs> <laughs> his his um, previous um, advisor died um, and then he started murdering his rivals and then turned on the Senate and like started putting people on trial for treason, just general tyranty behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, he divorced Octavia on the grounds of infertility and banished her. He also... Uh, but like people liked her kind of like Catherine of Aragon uh-huh. um, so he then accused her of, her of adultery and he's like no no really really she's not good and people were like okay sure asshole just um, like uh, uh, Anne Boleyn yeah yeah and then uh, <laughs> so this is where it starts getting a little weird um, in 64 CE he married a freedman named Pythagoras not that Pythagoras um so I don't know what's like what exactly was was uh, what was behind that, but according to the historian Tacitus, um, there was like a series of banquets, and then uh, quote he stopped he stooped to marry himself to one of that filthy herd by the name of Pythagoras with all the forms of regular wedlock. The bridal veil was put over the emperor. People saw the witnesses of the ceremony, the wedding dower, the couch, and the nuptial torches. Everything, in a word, was plainly visible, which, even when a woman weds, darkness hides. So, I don't know if this was, like, is, like, Nero a chaotic bisexual, or is this, like, Joe Exotic situation? I don't know. I have <laughs> like, no idea, but I can't lie. I fucking love it. I kind of love it, too. Like... I kept re- thinking, like, I know everyone wants me to hate Nero, but, like, a little bit, <laughs> I respect the chaos. I don't know. I feel like this could be a show on Bravo, like, overbearing mother, uh, mm. gay son, like, this is the trappings yeah. of a Bravo show. I mean, yeah, and also, like, the the HBO show Rome ends after season two, but part of me wonders, like, did they mean to go this far? Because they clearly had a lot of ammunition and yeah, there's stuff a lot of places stories. to go apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that same year, as you alluded to at the very beginning, there was a great fire, mm-hmm. the Great Fire of Rome. In 64 CE, um, countless mansions, residences, and temples were destroyed. It burned for over a week, and it destroyed three out of 14 districts and damaged seven more. Yikes. Um, yeah. Uh, but then there are rumors that it was started by Nero, who allegedly disliked the city's ancient architecture and wanted more space to build his own golden house. Wow. <laughs> Which, by the end, by the way, he ended up doing so on the rubble. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he added a 30 meter tall statue of himself, which is 98 feet. That's a huge ass statue. Right. That's like of 10 himself. stories, right? Yes. 
Jesus. I don't know, but oh my God. Yeah, I think the story is about um, 10 feet. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he also allegedly blamed uh, the Christians for the fire and arrested several and executed them in like horrible arena deaths. This might be where the whole like Christians being murdered in Fed the Colosseum for sport. Yeah. I, that might be where this comes from, or maybe there was more. I don't know. I'm sure there was a lot of killing back then. Yeah, and then there was there were um, reports of like, oh, he sang and played the fiddle while the city burned. Um, the fiddle wasn't invented at the time, so that oh. is a, a later apocryphal story. Neat. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. That you know, that's just what I read. <laughs> um, so, um, but he, I don't. Did he sing and dance? There's reports of that. Um, or there's also reports that he organized relief efforts and, and rescued people from the city. So I think there's kind of like dueling propaganda happening. It could also um, be true of both things. I mean, if you're trying to build a golden house, you're going to need taxpayers mm-hmm. to pay for it. And t- dead people don't pay taxes. So yeah, 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 that's true. Um, and also he might just be doing some um, reputation uh, work there. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so he is, like, very uh, tyrant at this point. So there was a conspiracy to, quote, rescue the state from the emperor and restore the republic, which sounds very reminiscent of the plot to kill Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, it failed. Um, and people were tracked down and executed. So, and then remember his affair with Papea? <laughs> she, uh, I think he married her. I think he did. I think he did. But she died after giving birth to his to her second child with Nero. There were stories that he kicked her to death. Um, yeah. But then there's also, I mean, she might have also died from childbirth. And right. He like gave her a huge state funeral, which. I don't, it could go either way. Like, <laughs> so I don't, at this point, I think there was like a lot of stories that were being spread by people who wanted to see him thrown out of power, but also you don't generally want to do that unless he is a bad ruler. So right. I think it's, you know. <laughs> so a couple years later um, in 68 CE, there was a rebellion. And for a, a little while, Nero had it under control, but eventually the rebellion kind of like gained more traction. Um, it was led by some guy who was like, they were trying to put on the throne. And uh, Nero fled from Rome, intending to regroup in a province that was still loyal to him. But his own army officers started kind of like turning against him and refusing to obey orders. Um, So he returned to his palace in Rome, where he kind of spent one night and he woke in the night to find all of his guards has had abandoned him along with all of his friends. He was like asking, like, bring, bring this guy to my chambers. And they'd be like, uh, he's not, he's not here anymore. And the palace was empty. And he allegedly said, have I neither friend nor foe? And, uh, he ran out of the palace as if to throw himself into the Tiber river. Um, but he didn't and returned. (laughs) This is, he's, going through a lot right now. Um, He ends up going to a friend's villa outside the city to, again, kind of regroup and and make plans. But while he was there, a courier arrived with a message that the Senate had declared Nero a public enemy and that guards were on their way to arrest him and bring him back where he would be executed by being beaten to death. 
Jesus, that's a bad way to yeah. go. It is. Um, so he starts really freaking out in earnest and he ordered men to dig a grave for him. He was determined to kill himself before he could be apprehended. But when the time came, he had a hard time working himself up to do it. He begged a companion to set an example by killing himself first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is quite the request. Um, and this companion was like, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> no, I, uh, you're on your own here, Cap. I think I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, but then he, as he heard um, horses approaching, uh, Nero uh, was like, okay, it's now or never. Uh, and he ended up forcing his private secretary to kill him for him so he wouldn't have to do it himself. Mm -hmm. um, and as the guards arrived, they found Nero dying, but no one's exactly sure like how. But apparently his final words were, too late, this is fidelity. <laughs> <sighs> so uh, that was the end of the Julio-Claudian dynasty. He was buried in a family tomb on the uh, Pincian Hill, sure. There's seven. Which hills. is now, yeah, which is now the uh, Borghese Gardens, uh, probably named after the Borgias. Sure. Um, and it, you, it was near a bunch of poplar trees. Um, there was once once a nut tree nearby that was frequently filled with black crows, um, and it is said that Nero's ghost would walk amongst the trees, feasting alongside the demons and the witches. Jesus. Yeah. So there is like a lot of sightings of him walking around these trees, so much so that in 1099, there was, there was a bunch of complaints from frightened Romans that Pope Pasquale II ordered the trees to be burned down <gasps> and a chapel built in its place. Which chapel was that? Uh, it is. It was um, enlarged in 1475 and it is now the Chiesa di Santa Maria di Popolo. Neat. Yes. I've never been so to that Rome, church, but I'd love to go someday. I've I've been, but I wasn't. I didn't go there because I didn't know about this story. Sure. Um, and but I'd love to see it. So yeah, that church is still standing, and the tomb was apparently dug up and thrown into the Tiber River because who gives a shit about Nero? <laughs> I mean, um, he does seem like he was quite the shithead. So yeah. I I can't entirely blame him them, but part of me is like. I kind of want to see the tomb to that shithead, though. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it both ways. Yeah. So apparently the haunting stopped after that, but there have also still allegedly been some reports of seeing Nero's ghost. So... A thousand no. years. 1099. He haunted Rome for a thousand mm -hmm. years. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible because like 10, 1099 is a long time ago for us. Yeah. But like even like compared to like when he died it's it's basically the same amount of time on either side yeah god i love history Ugh, i get so Ooh. excited about shit like that yeah it's so long god yeah. there's so many years <laughs> man alive <gasps> it really is how mm -hmm. cool yeah so that was uh that's basically everything i have on nero he i mean i could have gone way way deeper and i'm sure there's people who are like I know so much more about Nero, but like, it's just, we don't, oh God. Well, also we're time. like an hour and 33 minutes into this record and we have to, yeah, yeah. We have to reel it in eventually. Uh, we're I not feel like, like, I feel my voice going hoarse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After I talk for a while, I'm like, cool. I don't have to speak for the rest of the day. Yeah. 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 I'm done now. Um, yeah. That I was, that was really fascinating. I didn't really know anything about Nero before then. Um, and I'm like, fuck. 
man. Yeah, I think that's really <gasps> cool. I'm, I'm, man. I wish I would have seen his uh, spirit walking amongst the birds and the demons. That's just a really cool yes. idea. Yeah, the imagery of that is very cool. All right, so uh, we've got a listener story here. Uh, this is from Kel L, which Kel is the first name, and then uh, this person gave their, <laughs> they gave their for full last name, but like in the interest of privacy, uh, the initial is L, not like Superman Kal L. It just turned out that way. <laughs> Anyway, Um, so Kel says, hi, ladies. I love your podcast. I discovered it right as the pandemic home quarantine started. You had me at the title, The Plague. I'm now binging from the (laughs) beginning. Yeah, this is look at us go reset. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Um, so I'm now binging from the beginning, and here is my story. All right. My husband and I purchased our ho- house as newlyweds in 2005. It was built in 1976, so not old or even an old neighborhood. I'll oh, explain the bicentennial. The bicentennial. <laughs> I'll explain the layout as this is important. It's a ranch-style three-bedroom home. Kitchen, living room, dining room, and a foyer are all open space. Very traditional ranch setting. I'm so glad you took this story so I didn't have to say that word. (laughs) Foyer. Or foyer. Either or. Um, Foyer. On the other side of the house are all the bedrooms. Uh, This is, like I said, a very classic setup for a ranch. Um, A long hall goes down from the open space section to the bedrooms. Directly down the long hall is a small room, and to the right is the guest room. A smaller hall to the left leads to the master bedroom. Three years after moving in, we welcomed our son, and the end hall small room became his nursery. When my son was about two, a couple of strange things happened in the house. A stack of large plastic storage bins in the garage fell and flew across the garage onto the hood of my car. Mm. Okay. (laughs) There's no way they fell naturally as they had been in the middle of a workbench and where they landed was four feet to the right. Over four feet and to the right. Holy crap. Uh, Then around the same time, a humidifier in my son's room did the same thing. It was on top Ah! of a dresser in the middle and pushed back to the wall. When it hit the floor, uh, the plastic basin cracked. It too landed four feet away, even unplugging itself from the wall as it went. Wow. We were home for both of these events. My son's door was shut at the time and everyone was in the kitchen. Mm. The last incident we had was one afternoon when my son and I were alone. It was nap time, and I put my son down and closed his door, moving into the master bedroom to read while he slept. The master bed is in the middle of the bedroom, facing Mm -hmm. directly with a straight view down the small hallway, my son's room to the left at the end, so I can sit in bed and have a direct view. He was in the habit of getting up from his nap not long after putting him down and coming out of his room. I would always just say, right, because little kids. (laughs) Yeah. I would always just say, go back to bed, and he would. I should say the door when opened to that room is loud. This day, mm-hmm. about half an hour after I put him down, I heard a giggle. Oh. I oh, looked over okay. my oh, book. Well. <laughs> I looked uh-huh. over my book and I clearly saw a figure in gray and shadow run from his room down the hall, giggling as it went towards the family open space. Uh-huh. I said on reflex, my son's middle and first name, get back to bed. Silence. Classic mom. Right. Yep. <laughs> I got up to see where he had gone. On getting to the end of the hall, I saw that it was empty and his door was closed. I realized that I had not actually heard the door open before I saw the figure. Nope. 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 Right? Fuck that. Nope. 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 (sighs) Nope. 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 Um, I went back into my bedroom and turned on the video monitor to see my son completely asleep. (laughs) The figure I saw was in all gray shadow, clearly defined head, shoulder, torso, legs, had not really been visible. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. 
<laughs> Looking back, I knew that I experienced some sort of energy or ghost. That was the last thing we experienced in that house, and in total, I think it only lasted a year. I'm a pretty open-minded person, and I feel like maybe whatever this was, it was moving through. We still live in this house. The thing that sticks out most in my mind is that giggle. It was not the sound of my son, but a higher pitch, loud and clear. I can still hear it vividly. Holy shit. (laughs) Okay, so then she closes. Uh, Thank you for the lovely joy, laughter, and history you put out into the world. Best, Kel. Awesome. Wow. I like that. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. That was nuts. Okay. (sighs) All right, so Jen, uh, this is... This episode's going up on the 7th, which means mm-hmm. we only have, now that this is in the bag, we've only got two more episodes for this season. Yeah. The year went so Damn. fast. Damn. I know. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually really excited about our final episode. I want to give a little teaser. Uh, we actually have a guest for our final episode, and this yes. person is listed as one of the BBC experts. <laughs> I know. I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, we'll probably drop the name next episode, but I want you guys to get hype. Do we have any uh, Patreon stuff to talk about? Yes, we do. We Let's have hear a bunch of new patrons. Thank you so much. This is very exciting. First patron we need to thank is is Kel herself. No so thank way. You. Ah, thank you, yes. Kel. Um, and then we have um, Aaron, Aaron H. Okay. Uh, I guess we're going <laughs> to... I've read full names in the past, but I guess, I don't know. Maybe we should have some privacy. (laughs) You know who you are, Aaron. Thank you so much. Um, Ezra, Ezra A. Thank you, Ezra. Yeah. Um, And then this one, I need to read the full name because it is magnificent. Thank you, dear Bacon Bits the Cat. (gasps) We are friends with, I have a Bacon Bits sticker. You should probably be incredibly jealous. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) This is... Do I need to meet this cat? Do I need to see this cat? Yes. You have. Anyway, you definitely do. Uh, yeah, okay. in the group, for sure. Um, Bacon oh, okay. Bits fills me with glee and joy all the time. I, I'm not very good at paying attention sometimes, so I apologize, Bacon it's Bits, okay. if it's I okay. interacted with you before. And then we have Emma G. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. And then Vicky W. So thank you, Vicky. You guys are the best. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us money during this time of of the time that it yeah, is. There's um, it's an uncertain it time. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate um, it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we're we're trying to make some good content for you. Uh, Kate just made a cooking show, uh, which I thought was very delightful. It is um, a good soup might- too. You've had that soup. I have had that soup. As you mentioned in the video, you've made it for me frequently. Yeah, it's well feeding you is like my principal choice. So. I know. Well, it's funny because in the previous month when I did my my Sims play, uh, I mentioned how that much you cook dirty. for me as well. That super sounds dirty the way I don't like Sims play. Let's Sims, not use that term ever again. Sims let's play. How okay, that? that's still not better. I don't like it. That's, that's the term for it. So deal with it. <laughs> Anyway, I played The Sims and I made us as Sims and we threw a costume party and it was chaotic and wonderful. Um, and Just like we are chaotic and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. And I love all of our listeners and our family and everyone. Um, yes. So uh, if you want to check out our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. Um, or you can hang out with us on the free web on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or it's in the, it's just look in the description. It's in right. There. It's in um, there. We love you guys. Yes. So, uh, that's all we got, uh, for this week and we'll see you in a fortnight. In a fortnight. Then.
Oh, stay spooky, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 